good to know what's going on and uh, grateful for all that God is doing. Uh, kind of neat that we can pray over Brooke and then send her forth and continue to remember Gavin in prayer. And uh, as the Greg Lauer crusade comes, there's a lot of uh, information on the table out there you can get. But uh, let's really pray for revival. We've set a group started Wednesday nights as we're not having a regular small group meetings, meeting in this room over here, 7 to 8 p.m., just to pray for revival. And let's saturate this thing in prayer and uh, bring the, the uh, crusade to a real climax. It's nice and close for us at the Allstate Arena. And it's going to be a citywide effort. And I'm just believing God that souls are going to be touched. I uh, wouldn't mind seeing a great revival in the Chicago area. Anybody say amen? Do we need it? Amen. Amen. We need revival in this area. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer before the message. Father, we, do, we just pray this morning that you would pour out your spirit upon this area. Lord, I pray you'll, you'll, you'll see a light in this place that people are calling upon your name. And we ask you to anoint and bless Greg Lowry as he comes. Bless all the details on his crusade. But I pray that weekly we'll be revived in our spirit. We might seek you. We pray that, that righteousness would be in our nation. Wickedness will be rebuked. I just pray that people will turn to you in a spirit of intercession and conviction, uh, supplication, salvation. Bless, O oh Lord, our area, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've been preaching different messages while Pastor Darrell is away on the subject of differences. Didn't start planning to speak on differences, but I just kept adding, uh, like on Father's Day, I preached a message on the different way fathers relate to their sons and your, their daughters, and, and so do we. Last week, we saw the differences in the ways that we draw near unto God, because we're all uniquely created, and uh, uniquely we draw near to God in different ways. Message this morning is going to be entitled, Different Pathways. And I want us to look at th today at different pathways that we all take in worshiping God. We go different routes, but we still, the goal is to come into his presence. And I want us to, to, to again look this day at how we're created in his image. Created in his image, yet we're completely different in our response to seeking and finding God and uh, how we relate to life and to spiritual things even to the, to the Lord. They said we're all created differently, and therefore we react, we respond, different things touch us. I mentioned last Sunday that God doesn't create cookie-cutter Christians. Amen? He's an amazing creator. His creativity is beyond our understanding, and, and therefore we have different lives, we have different temperaments, different dispositions. We are unique because He has created us unique. God is on the throne. This works in the natural. We're all different. Look around. As Fred, you had to look around and answer to prayer. You could, and don't turn around and look at everybody and see how different everybody, but we all have different faces and, you know, different styles. I'm the only guy here in a white coat this morning. So. We're all different, you know. I heard it's going to be hot, and now it's cloudy and rainy, but what, whatever. Uh, I'd like to repeat the text from last week from Jeremiah 30, verse 21. Who is he that will devote himself or herself to be close to me, saith the Lord? That was a text we had last week. Who is he 
that would devote himself to be close to me, uh, declares the Lord. And we've been looking at how we do this, especially how, as I said, we're all different when it comes to our relationship with God and seeking him. We might find the Lord. This morning I want to continue that thought, take it a little further. I mentioned last week that I've been reading an author named Gary Thomas that I got interested in because I heard him speak at a convention in Canada in April. And I've been thoroughly blessed by his insight and the practical application to this very subject, the difference between us as God's created. got me thinking along this line. I like his explanation of the various examples that he used of how these things happen in life. And uh, he illustrated with a story that I told uh, last week, and several people said they enjoyed it so much, I want to tell it again, uh, just briefly. But he just told how he liked to have devotions early in the morning. He would get up bright and early, thought they should be done by 7 o'clock before God got too busy. Uh, He could read and and pray. Uh, His fiancée, Lisa, didn't hardly get out of bed till her classes started in college. They were in college together. She barely made it to class. Then after classes were over, about noon, she would go up on the roof of the dormitory, lay in the sun, read the scripture, and pray. And he said, and she called that devotions. He said, that's not the way you do devotions. He said, that's cheating somehow. You're not supposed to do it that way. They had great discussions over it. Till one day, his wife came knocking on his door with her Bible open and pointed to uh, Acts, uh, I forgot what chapter it is, Uh, when Peter uh, went up to the housetop and said, Peter went up to the housetop to pray at noon. She put her initials beside that verse. And uh, he was speaking, he said, what is the the odds of finding a verse where, and who went up, the great apostle Peter went up at noon and prayed on the housetop, so I guess I can let my my fiancé do that without complaining uh, too much. Shows that we're all different, and our approach to God, to drawing near to God, is is different. He uh, another time illustrated when I heard him speak uh, about himself and Lisa's wife, and uh, Gary knew that he and his wife were different in a lot of ways right from the very beginning. Uh, but like many of us, he expected that that would all work itself out after they got married. Right, I, I'm sure. Right, yeah. everybody expects. It'll change when we get married, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. One of the big differences that Gary and Lisa thought uh, was about what really constituted food. He, on the one hand, was a food junkie. He uh, grew up where Captain Crunch, uh, Big Macs, pizza, and ice cream were his, basically his four food groups. But Lisa, on the other hand, uh, she she grew up eating 100% whole wheat bread. And he said, and he said, and a lot of other things that grow. <laughs> so on their honeymoon, there was a misunderstanding. It was around lunchtime, and Gary was hungry, so he said, hey, here's a McDonald's. Why don't we stop and get something to eat? And she was horrified. She said, but I'm hungry, too. And they don't have anything there to eat. So he points to the sign, stupid, I mean, I mean, he points to the sign, ignorant new husband, and he says, Honey, there are over 500 billion people who have found something to eat in these kind of restaurants. Didn't get off to a good start. So she said, but that's nothing that she would call food. So it began a process of her trying to 
change him after they got married. It wasn't going too well. And then finally they had children, which complicated things. Uh, became more intense. Uh, didn't help any when one morning their little boy, he's a sharp little kid, laid down his spoon and looks up at his wife and says, Mommy, why does Daddy's cereal have toys in it and ours don't? <laughs> so they were different. I thought about our own two children. Uh, Daryl's away and Jody's in the nursery. Jody's in the nursery, right? So... Uh, since they're not here, I'll use them as examples and hope her husband doesn't go tell her what I had to say this morning. But our children, and no doubt your children, I'm sure all of you could illustrate with your family, either your children or your siblings, how everyone is different in their personalities, their makeup, and how they relate to things. We only had two children, and now we have eight grandchildren. Our duet has changed into an octet. Uh, it's amazing to me to watch especially the grandkids growing and developing, as well as our kids. See that each one is distinct and different. They have a whole different personality, a uh, different way of doing things. No two are alike, and yet they come from the same family. They have certain characteristics that identify them as a Merrill or as a Bechtold. And it's interesting to watch, for me, the parents, which have a great understanding of them as individuals, and amazing how they treat each one specifically as they need to because they know and understand each child in its own place. And uh, that's what I've been trying to illustrate in this series of messages on differences in drawing near to God. I won't illustrate using my eight grandchildren because they only have 30 minutes um, and how each one is unique and different. It would take too long besides who likes to hear old people talk about their grandchildren, right? Uh, I've got pictures if you want to see them afterwards. Uh, I'll just illustrate with our two offsprings, Pastor Daryl and Jody. Completely different. And that's neat. That's, that's okay. We want them to be themselves. But I want you to see a picture of when they were little. Oh, isn't that cute? I think that picture, I just can't stand it. She is, Judy is so cute there, just like a, a little doll sitting there, like a, like a plastic doll or something. I found a whole bunch of pictures on my computer the other day, so I decided to illustrate this part of the message with that. Hope you don't mind the personal or the family illustration. But I can tell, looking at this picture, that these are two different kids, and their approach to life is going to be different. Like I said, Jody here looks like a doll, but you can tell she is full of life. I mean, she is ready to live it. Here's another picture, a little older, and again, look at, look at Jody. She is so full of that outgoing spirit. She's not going to be held down. She's not pessimistic. She's full of life. Uh, I can just hear her saying, let's go, let's go. And when Jerry was expecting uh, Jody, uh, our, our little girl, um, we had a discussion about what we should name her. Now, there was no discussion about Daryl, I don't think. It was just going to be Daryl Merrill II automatically, although he's... Unique individual and different from me in a lot of ways. Back to Jody and naming her. We wanted a name that would reflect her personality, but we didn't know what her personality would be like. So we named her Jody Heather. And we thought, if she's outgoing and active, we'll call her Jody, because in me, Jody just does things, that, that name, you know. If she's more subdued and demure and sweet and quiet, a ladylike little child, then we'll call her Heather. 
Well, when she was born, I took flowers up to Jerry's hospital room, and I made sure that the floors put in a spring of heather uh, in the arrangements, just to make sure she was a heather. Um, there's no flower named Jody. <laughs> and uh, I think it's very interesting that our kids were born completely different. And uh, our two kids, same mother and father, but completely different. You can tell that by the picture. Here's another picture when they're a little older. Uh, you can tell which one's going to be the preacher, can't you? <laughs> guy in a suit, right? And uh, here, here's another one. Uh, Pastor Darrell is a young man, much more serious, trying to, really trying to be mature, although he's always had a real sense of humor. But, uh, you know, as parents, we loved and, and accepted them just like they were, like I'm sure you did with your kids. And thank you for giving me the time to share. You can cut the pictures off now. Thank you. And uh, just, I found those. I thought I'm going to illustrate that they are different. Because, you know, as parents, we loved and accepted them just like they were. Yet we didn't tell Daryl, you should be more outgoing like, like Jody. You should be more the life of the party when you, uh, come on, get excited, loosen up, be more like Jody. We never told him that. And, and we didn't tell Jody, you should be more like your brother. Uh, Jody, I can't talk theology with you like I do with, with, with Daryl. Come on, Jody. We're, we're going to Starbucks, and we're going to talk about predestination today. <laughs> Didn't work. Or how about church structure, and, and how the church should be set up and organized? What do you think about that, Jody? I would never do that. Any more than I would take Pastor Daryl to Starbucks and say, uh, let's talk about relationships. Let's, let's get all touchy-feely. And uh, how are you doing with stuff? Come on, Daryl. Tell me, do you like me? You know, like <laughs> See, I don't, try to fit, I don't try to fit Jody into Daryl's more serious mode, and, and I sure don't try to get Jody to be more theological. They're each one who they are, and we like it that way. So often, though, with God's children, we say to others, okay, now you're a child of God, you should act this way if you want to be spiritual. You've got to act like I do. Or uh, here's how a spiritual person really acts. And worse yet, I've heard people say, if you were a real Christian, sometimes they say that in anger in a family, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't act that way. This is how you would act. Anybody ever, never mind, don't, don't answer that. But what I've been trying to show by these messages is that we are all unique creations in God's sight, and God has a lot of children, and he deals with each one of us within the framework of how he created us. He is our Father, and we can relate uh, to Him. Uh, I want to use my newfound author friend, Gary Thomas, and a book that he wrote entitled Sacred Pathways. And he, he gave, and I want to illustrate this way, nine different pathways or temperaments that identify people, how they feel in being more comfortable drawing near to God. We've been talking about we all should draw near to God. I want to give you nine examples of different ways that people feel comfortable drawing near to God. And then after that, we're going to have a skit, a verbal skit, on how this works in our approach to God. Uh, there are sermon notes in the back of your bulletin or in the bottom, yeah, in the back of your bulletin if you would like to write these down. Because when you get the skit, you may want to look back and see, well, this person was, was that way. Okay, 
Let's just go through this. First one is the naturalist. They'll be on the board up there, I think. The naturalist, right? There it is. And uh, these are people who feel they can meet with God, uh, better with God out of doors than any place else. They want to be surrounded by what God has made. I think their favorite verse is Psalms 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. They just love God's creation. Gary Rice's book, The Naturalist Would Prefer to Leave the Formal Architecture and the Padded Pews to Enter an Entirely New Cathedral, a place where God himself has built, which is the out-of-doors. These people feel the Bible is meant to be read out of doors, like a phrase, river of life. It's a figure of speech when you put it on the screen up there, river of life. But Jerry and I love to go to Colorado, and we drive up by the Colorado River that's just gushing between the, the two cliffs on each side of it all the way for, for miles there. And when you're standing by the side of a swiftly flowing river and you think about the river of life, it's a whole different meaning because you're out there where it's, where it's flowing. These people like to take the Bible outside. In our area, go to a forest preserve or meditate on God's word while feasting their eyes and their spirit on the natural beauty of God's creation. And that's when they feel closest to God. I don't like it when people say, let's forget about church today. We're going to go out camping and just be out of doors. Don't try to tell me that's more spiritual, but anyhow... You know, people, you know, I think I should be outdoors. Well, I think you should be in church and then go outdoors. But I'm the pastor, so what can I say? Uh, I want to give you a quote uh, that Elizabeth Barrett Browning, the poet, said with reference to Moses and the burning bush where he met God there. She said, I, can you find it up there? It is, earth is crammed with heaven. A lot of things down here on earth have heaven. And using the, the, the burning bush as an example, um, she said, every common bush is a fire with God's glory, but only the person that sees that takes his shoes off. And then she had, and the rest sit around and pick blackberries. <laughs> you got the bush, we can just pick black, oh, it's a nice bush, it doesn't affect me. But if you see the glory of God in what he is doing there, you feel like taking your shoes off because you are standing on holy, holy ground. There's something about nature that just speaks to the naturalist because they love God by being outdoors in his creation. Let me just say, you may feel you are more than one of these things because I think most of us are a combination of uh, these different things. We had some visitors last night in the service and I was talking to the one, one man over here and his wife was picking up the baby in the nursery and he said, man, he said, I am... As you were preaching, he said, I'm this, this, and this. He picked out three just like that. And, and see, see how we all fit in into this. The second group is the sensates, or those dealing with the senses. That's how they meet with God, through their senses, what they see and hear and feel and touch or even smell. These are people who are loving God through the senses, what they can touch, what they can see. And there are people that want to be lost in the awe and the beauty and the splendor of God. They're joined, uh, drawn to the majestic. They want to feel majestic. And when these Christians worship, uh, they want to be filled with lights and sound, things that would appeal even to their senses because their five senses are 
God's most effective inroad into their hearts. Anything that appeals to the senses, even a little incense wouldn't hurt sometimes, they think. It's more important to them how the church looks, the aesthetics, the beauty, the sound. Is it all appealing? They want to hear and see and even touch God in all of his splendor. Thirdly is the traditionalists. These are those who love God through ritual and symbol. Repetition, doing the same thing over and over, makes a lot of sense to them, going through the same forms, especially when they come to church. These are people who would like to know that what they're doing has been done for hundreds or thousands of years. It gives a connection to them. They like structure in their faith. Uh, symbols become uh, meaningful to provide meaning for their faith and worship. They're, they're just secure in coming to church and seeing, recognizing the same forms that represents church to them. And what they've been doing since childhood has meaning for them. Very hard sometimes for them to change. I'd like to say what I'm talking about the traditionalists, that we, in, in our type of church, are more comfortable with a spirit-led, charismatic, if you want to say, environment, that we don't make the mistake of religious forms becoming spirituality. We don't want to substitute religious forms that some of us came out of for spirituality and look to ritual instead of the personal presence of the Lord in our midst. Some of us have desired to come out of, quote, formal traditions for a more intimate, personal life in the spirit and not miss God in our midst or in our spiritual level. But that's not to say that some people don't like some tradition along with it. In, all the, in this context, I've always tried, I, I really want us to be careful to not substitute charismatic tradition or Pentecostal tradition for uh, the power and the presence of God. What do you mean by that? Pente Charismatics have ways of doing things that we've always done since the 70s, or Pentecostal people do things a, a certain way. Let's not substitute our tradition for the power and the presence of God, because even us, it's easy for us to get in a rut, and we have to do it the same way, because that's the way we did it in the past. I think I've said enough on that because I'm just debating whether I should say more, but I think that's good. In other words, we don't want ritual or liturgical pattern to become an empty religious thing rather than worshiping God, quote, in spirit and in truth and a personal relationship. But I think the traditions can a lot of times feel the presence of God or they relate to that ritual. Just don't let it become an idol because then we worship and serve the thing we created, religion, more than the creator. The creator is the one we need to worship. Number four is the ascetics. These are people who are loving God in solitude and simplicity. Ascetics want nothing more than to be left alone in prayer. Take away all the trappings of religion, the noise of the outside world. Don't let anything distract them. No pictures, no loud music. Just leave them to pray in silence and simplicity. See, these are people who are very internally based. They'd be distracted by going out of doors, even being in a cathedral with ornamental decorations, even distracted by other people. They want to just shut their eyes, keep all the noise out to where it's just them and the Lord, the ascetics, more ascetic approach to God. They're willing to deny pleasures for themselves, spend hours in prayer just to be with God, just to, just to pray. 
It said of St. Francis back in history that he devoured fasting as a man devours food. He plunged after poverty as men have dug madly for gold. Interesting. That's an ascetic, inwardly denying themselves just to find God. Number five is an activist. Uh, these are those who are loving God through confrontation. They are activists in God's kingdom. Their favorite scripture is the account of Jesus cleansing the temple, getting mad and throwing people out. They divine worship as a stand against evil or calling sinners to repent. See, they want to serve God. They want to build God's kingdom, but they do it by dealing with issues that they think makes God angry. God's angry about this. We've got to take care of it. It may be politically based. It might be evangelistically based. But these are people that really get involved, either social or evangelistic causes, and do it. To them, pit, uh, church is just a pit stop where you go to get fired up. You go there if you need more volunteers to sign up or to raise funds. See, activists see the whole world in black and white. Things are right or they are wrong. A list of activists in Christendom that I put down are people like Frankie Schaefer. I don't know if you saw the movie about William Wilberforce. Uh, came out a couple years ago, fought slavery in England, uh, even in Parliament a few years ago. I mean, a couple hundred years ago, but it, we saw it a couple years ago. Men like John Wesley, today Tim and Beverly LaHaye, or Chuck Colson, Elijah, Peter, Habakkuk, Josh McDowell, James Dobson, Martin Luther King Jr., Franklin Graham. Those are activists in the Lord's work. Hey, another group are the caregivers. They are the ones that are loving God by loving others. Good example is Mother Teresa. It was said, and I think this really sums it up, quote, she looked behind the eyes of the poor, the sick, and the needy, and she saw the image of God. Loving God by loving others. She could see God as she helped people. See, caregiving is a temperament. That means we express our love to God by reaching out to others. It's a picture of the heart overflowing with love, spilling out all around us. For caregivers, giving care is not a chore, it's not hard, it's a form of worship. That's what they are. They love. They do it as unto the Lord. Remember, Jesus said, if you do it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you are doing it unto me. So caregiving is loving God by loving others. Number eight, seven is the enthusiasts. These are people who are loving God by celebration. Excitement and mystery in worship is a spiritual lifeblood of the enthusiast. They are the extroverts among us. They like it when they don't know what's coming off next. Air of mystery. Uh, enthusiasts are inspired by joyful worship. They love the whole notion of celebration. They are the cheerleaders for God and a Christian life. The traditionalists are the opposite. The traditionalists say, all's right with the world. The offering's being taken at 10.06. Everything's on time. This is a good service today. The enthusiast wakes up in the morning and says, I really hope God comes down in a dramatic way so we don't even have time for a sermon this morning. That's their goal. They don't want to just know concepts. They want to experience them, to feel them, to be moved by them. But I just want to say, just because we feel good during a time of worship doesn't mean we should forget how fearful and awesome 
God is. Don't just let excitement be your whole experience. We don't want excitement and celebration to, to just degenerate into shallow triviality, just trivial, trivial, uh, trivial, trivial things. Amen? Get my mix all talked up there. I mean, my talk all mixed up. Uh, that's why I really want our worship in this church to be meaningful, to bring us into the presence of God. Not a form, but God in our midst. We don't want everything to blow up in chaos just because we enjoy that sense of excitement and enthusiasm. And probably the, the opposite of the enthusiast is the con- contemplatives. Uh, contemplatives are referring to, they refer to God as their lover. They have the image of a loving father or the image of a bridegroom. That's their predominant view of God. See, the focus on, uh, of uh, the, uh, these people, contemplatives, are not necessarily on serving God or doing his will or accomplishing great things in his name or, or even obeying him. Rather, these Christians just seek to love God with the purest, deepest, brightest love imaginable. I think of Mary who I mentioned as an example in my message last week, sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's somebody to be adored, to build a relationship with, to, to love. The contemplatives are those who love God through adoration. And lastly, we don't want to forget the intellectuals. Those are those who are loving God with the mind. doesn't mean they're necessarily smarter than everybody else, but their heart is not expanded and full until they understand something new about God. That's when they feel close to God, when they learn something more about God. See, these Christians live in a world of concepts. They would like to be studying Calvinism or infant baptism or ordination of women or predestination. They want to get into something they don't have an answer for yet. And intellectuals will remind us that uh, the high calling we have of loving God with our mind. He said, love God with all your mind, soul, strength, etc. And, and that's one of the key elements that, that they use in loving God is their mind because they feel closest to God when something new hits them. They, wow, that's good. I never saw that before. They really feel they've arrived. Somebody said uh, to the intellectual, the sermon does not follow worship. The sermon does not precede worship. The sermon is worship. That's where they get their goodness. As we preach the the word, that's what they really live. And uh, they may say, all this touchy-feely stuff is good, but can can you give me some data to sink my theological teeth into? And if they don't get a new concept of God or have their mind challenged, it's hard for them to worship God in their heart. Now, having briefly mentioned uh, these Nine types to you. I want to play a little skit. Actually, it was produced on this theme by Andy Stanley and uh, his church, North Point in Atlanta, based on these nine types of people. I want you to see if you could pick out each type. I spent, I don't know, a day or two. I spent hours online calling, trying to get an actual script. I don't think they have one. All they have was, I mean, actual acting out. All they have was a script in words, not the actual people acting out the parts, but they talk the different types that we've been explaining about. I, I want to make the application here. Now, let me say two things. I don't want anybody here this morning or listening on the, the tape or website to, to use this message in either one of the two ways. Number one, I don't want you to use this message to justify yourself. 
So you see, I don't have to fit in and worship. I'm different than ever. God made me different, and I don't like to worship like the rest of you, so I don't have to be a part of that. Don't use this message for that. And secondly, don't accuse others because they don't see the value of things the way you do. Don't use this to get people to do what you want them to do. Amen? Do I need to go further? Wives, I've seen wives try to get their husbands to be more expressive uh, to the Lord, saying if he would just take the leadership more, I often wonder if that means he should be more like you are. <laughs> uh, or can we recognize that we have different ways of drawing close to the Lord, and his way may not be your way. Or why, husbands, try to get your wife to respond so they would be just like you are, or, or they'd be more comfortable if you were more like they are. Let's look at the skit and uh, or listen to it, you can't look at it, listen to it, and I think it will illustrate uh, the sermon this morning with real people and their different approaches and emphasis. Okay, guys, I hate to break up our catching up time, but we really got to get started. Yeah, let's go, let's go, people, the warm, fuzzy world is over. It's time to get down to the good stuff. What he meant to say, but didn't, was that while he really loves the fellowship time in our community group, he really loves the Bible study. No, I didn't. What I meant to say was that if you people spent as much time talking about God as yourselves, Maybe we would learn something. Oh, alrighty then. Um, how about before we get started, can I get anybody anything? Carl, I bet you would love some coffee. Will it get us to the Bible study any quicker if I take some? <gasps> oh, did you guys get the email about the new sermon series that's starting on Sunday? Here we go again. It is going to be wonderful. I don't think I saw the email. What's oh, it about? Oh, honey, I can't believe I didn't tell you. It's called You've Got Style. And it's about all the different ways that, you know, we just draw near to God, you know. And, and I just hope that we're able to just express true worship. I mean, you know? Gee, honey, that sounds great. But are we all going to have to draw near? You want to draw near? Look, I will show you how to draw near. Look, uh, okay. My hands I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Psalm 119.48, that is the way to draw near. Well, for me, I feel closest to God when I'm all alone and writing in my journal. Oh, yeah, let's see. My word, God's word. Yeah, that's equal. Honey. Honey, I don't think Jim was equating his word with God's word. I think he's just... You know, saying that he really feels connected to God when he writes. Right, right. You know, journaling is so important. I, I wish I was better at it, but it, usually when I sit down to write all my prayer requests, you know, they're for my friends, and then I end up stopping because I want to go call one of you to see how you're doing. <laughs> I guess I'll never be a spiritual giant. Hey, guys. Oh, hey. We got delayed. That's all right. Was traffic bad? No, it wasn't really traffic. It was more of... It was the sunset. The sunset? Yeah. It stopped me cold. I mean, I was driving and then you see the clouds and the colors of, of silver and gold light? Oh, I had to pull over. I mean, that was a gift from God. I had to receive that. I mean, it was a gift to all of us. Didn't you see it coming in? Oh, yeah, I saw it. And it was in my eyes the whole way. It gave me a headache. Oh, Carl, I'm really sorry. Can I get you some Advil? 
That's my little nature lover. Oh, don't get me wrong, it was beautiful. And besides, it gave me time to stuff all the envelopes. Oh. Well, what is it this time? Spotted owl or habitat for humanity? World hunger relief. Oh, speaking of hunger, can I get anybody anything at all? No thanks, I'm fine. So what are we talking about? The new sermon series on Sunday. Oh, I saw that email. This is what I was thinking. What if we move one of those services outside? Really sit beneath the blue sky, feel the grass between your toes? Smell all the carbon monoxide from the SUV? No, 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 that is such a great idea, you know? Because when you're outside, you really have a lot more room to just, you know, celebrate. I mean, you want to talk about getting free. <laughs> the truth shall set you free, John 832. Uh, thy word is truth, John 1717. Look, can we just put away all this kumbaya garbage for just a minute and, and, and maybe study something that will set us all free? I'm feeling very stifled. <laughs> oh, how about if I open a window, okay? Oh, no, no. Look, Carl, just because it's your way doesn't mean it's the right way. Come on, honey, maybe we should just go on home. No, no, wait, oh. wait. Why don't we have prayer time? What, and forget about the whole reason that we're here? Carl, honey, the reason that we're here is to connect with our friends. It is? Yes. Why don't we all just take a break? We'll go out on the deck, we'll catch our breath. I don't know, are we allowed to sing? Carl? <laughs> I don't know what just happened here tonight, but I'm sure my coach can explain it. I'll tell you what's happened. It's this new series at church, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, who comes up with these ideas anyway? Well, none of it's in the Bible, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Why can't they just sleep well enough alone? Citronella? Tiki torches? Oh. <laughs> anybody, anybody recognize yourself any place in there? You might have recognized other people that you know. Uh, it really explains what happens. How'd you like to be in a small group like that? Um, we have so many different ideas. And what I'm saying, different approaches to worshiping or relating to God. Different ways of connecting. And uh, when you have that much diversity in human beings, that many different desires of how we're going to meet with God, uh, there's no way that in 60 or 90 minutes on a Sunday morning we can adequately meet needs that everybody brings in to that or, or have everybody totally devoting themselves to be close to the Lord, as our text says. If your need for worship can be met in 60 minutes a week. And I just want to say your, your need for worship is probably way too small. It's like a hobby or pastime, just something we do on Sunday morning. It's not a life of devotion. And that's why I believe as pastors, we're called in Ephesians 4 to do what? Pastors are given to equip the saints, to equip them that throughout the week, they can devote themselves to be close to the Lord. That's so when we come together on Sunday morning, we're just pooling, pooling our shared devotion. We're not greedily snapping up every piece of worship turf we can get because we want to worship God in a particular way. Do you follow what I'm saying? Let me illustrate uh, with an example. Just imagine, suppose that you had been fasting for 36 hours, a uh, day and a half, 
and you were going to go to a place where you knew that the fast was going to be broken, and you walk into the hall, and you can smell the potatoes and the bread and the fruit, and your mouth is watering. You can't wait to sit down and eat. There's about 100 people at this brunch, and just, this is great. Break my fast, good food. And then the host comes up, taps you on the shoulder, and says, Pastor, I'm really sorry. Jerry, I'm really sorry, but the servers couldn't make it today. Could you help us serve everybody before you eat? Oh, man, I'm so hungry. But you say, okay, because you know it's the right thing to do. And, uh, well, you're trying to throw potatoes on somebody's plate. I don't want potatoes. Take the potatoes. You're so hungry, you just want to get through serving so you can get something to eat. But let's say, after your fast, you broke your fast at home. You forgot about the brunch. And uh, your hunger needs have been met. So you go into the hall and say, oh, yeah, I forgot there was a brunch this morning. And then they ask you to help serve. You say, oh, sure, I'll, I'll do that. So you have an entirely disposition, different disposition, don't you? Probably take your time. You may even say, before I eat, can I get anybody seconds? Uh, can I fill anybody's juice glasses? Anybody need anything? What's the difference? You're serving either hungry or full. That's the picture, I believe, of every worship service. People come either hungry, I'm desperate to meet God, i got to find God, i got to get something, or you come in in the presence of God all week. If you've been feeding all week, you come to church satisfied and just look forward to the fellowship and, and the love and the worship and to hear from God's word. But if you've been starved all death, you've been starving your spirit, you're looking to the service, you're looking to the pastor, the worship leader, to fulfill your special needs, your particular needs. And, uh, hey, the worship leader better feed them more else. If they're upset, they want words of comfort. If people are excited, they want words of celebration. If, if they're disappointed or discouraged this week, the worship leader better give them songs on God's forgiveness and, and his grace. If they need inspiration, pastor better have an inspiring message. Or if they need conviction because they've done wrong, uh, they hope the pastor really has a convicting sermon. I might, pastor, I feel like saying, God help us if we have more than three people in the congregation and we're trying to gauge where everybody's at. You can't meet everybody's need. That's why that's not our call. Our call is to equip people to devote themselves to the Lord every day during the week so that we're bringing our worship together. That's the purpose of my messages, uh, to show that we're all different. We're created by God in different ways. We may have different approaches to worshiping God, but the main thing is that we do worship. Main thing is that we come in spirit and in truth and not draw back, say, well, that's not meeting my need. We, we should be flowing in the things of God and just rejoicing what God's doing. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, I was really kind of fearful. I debated a week about even preaching this for fear that somebody would say from this mess, well, see, I don't have to enter into worship. I don't have to be involved like you want me to do. I can just do my own thing because I'm created different. And if you know me, you know that's certainly not my intention. I feel we all should worship God with all of our heart, all of our strength, 
all of our mind, all of our soul. And so in closing this morning, to give the application here, I want to give you some instructions that are found uh, in, the, in God's Word of what we all need to be doing, how we all should come to God, how each one of us should draw near to God. And I put the Bible blog in the uh, bottom of the inside of your bulletin, which I've, I really feel is instruction for all of us, no matter how we are made, no matter how we like to draw near to God, as our text said, that God is seeking for us to do. I, I really would, would, would like to ask you to go over these very simple facts this week. And, and this is what we should be doing, all of us, if we're going to devote ourselves to be close to the Lord. It explains that here. Uh, first of all, all of us should be seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteous, or living righteously. It should be a way of life to live righteous. We should all do this, amen, continually, and not use my message this morning and say, well, I'm different. I don't have to be committed. I worship God in a different way. I want to say, no, that's not the intent of this message, so please don't take it that way. My intent is to Whatever it takes, get you into this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Begin to live righteously. Don't be under conviction during the week. Let's come into his presence. Number two says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Every day, just begin to bless the Lord. Worship God on the way to work. Begin to, as, as it says in, in chapter in number three here, be filled with the Spirit. Literal tense there is to keep on being filled. It's not just a Sunday morning thing that I meet with God. It's continuously I am being filled with the Holy Spirit. I like Galatians 5, 16, number 4, which says, Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So many times we have problems with temptation or the world system and all the things about us, and, and it pulls us in so many ways. Just walk in the Spirit. You'd be surprised how much all this stuff can be taken care of. And especially we do it with number five, pray without ceasing. In other words, never stop praying in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And the next verse is number six, in everything be thankful. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. And the last one here is from Jude verse 20. Build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Those are just a few references that I wanted you to be able to take home with you how each of us are to be seeking God and walking, quote, in the Spirit continually at all times as a way of life, even though our personalities, our temperaments, our way of doing things, we're created differently by our Heavenly Father. But those are the things we need to really work on. These are, there are so many examples and expert exhortations in God's Word for us to follow. Jump into the Word and uh, let God make that be our life as we walk close to the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I just want to ask you to confirm this Word in our hearts. Lord, if there are those who have even wondered why, why they don't fit the mode or the, why they're in a, in a different realm, Help them to see how they can relate to you too. Lord, I pray that none of us will draw back. But Lord, may we walk in the Spirit. May we give thanks. May we seek first the kingdom of God. May we build ourselves up in the most holy faith. 
I pray, confirm this message to our hearts as we meditate on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I've enjoyed preaching this morning. I hope you've enjoyed the word. Amen. Um, <laughs> as we close, uh, Pastor Darrell requested as we close, because Brooke means so much to us as our children's leader, children's pastor, that uh, in closing we would take up a farewell offering for uh, for Brooke as she leaves for Florida, and now the, the mix-up on uh, her, her friend Gavin being sick. Um, i tell you, she has really given herself for, she just lived for our children, and we want to bless her. Uh, it takes money to travel, and if you want to take an envelope, if you want to mark it under special needs or Brooke, uh, guest speaker, just, just put Brooke out to the side, and, and we'll make sure that... that uh, we can give her something to go with as she moves to a brand new life, has to find a job and all these things. I want to bless her. Brooke came here as a student from Seattle, uh, found it through uh, her high school uh, guidance counselor, put up on a website for Christian schools, and she bought a night, night plane, uh, red-eye special, uh, and came to school here. I drove in one morning at 6.30 or 7, and Brooke was sitting on the bench out with her suitcase out there. She brought a taxi. Is this the right place? Is this Christian Life College? I said, yeah, come on in. And uh, she went to school here, worked with our children, then became an intern in the children's ministry with us and graduated uh, from CLC and has led our children's ministry every Sunday. Done an excellent job. And, and would you come forward? We want to bless her as she goes for all the extras that uh, she has given for our children. So um, thank you if you uh, don't have, you know, if you don't, can't do that or you don't know Brooke, don't feel obligated. We just want to bless her so that we can send her away uh, rejoicing. She is more than given of herself. And uh, making money wasn't the important thing to her. It was, I want to take care of the kids. Father, I just pray a blessing on Brooke. I want to thank you for her ministry to our church. I want to thank you as we saw recently what our children had learned about God through her faithful work with them. And bless her as she goes. Bless this offering to help her get established in a new place. And thank you, Lord, for blessing her. Be with all the volunteers that are going to step up now and fill in the gap. I thank you, Lord, that the ministry goes on even as she goes on. So bless her, O oh Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give rejoicingly this morning? And uh, while you're doing that, I want to... Uh, Okay. Okay. Good. Um, I bet all of you wonder what that was about, right? Did you get that on the microphone? She said a whole ton of food has come in during the service, and the counter was just filled with bread this morning, and now more food has come in. Please, anybody, everybody, don't have to be in need, but just if you can use that, uh, please stop by the kitchen right outside this door, and you'll be uh, you'll be blessed. You know, God can provide all our needs one way or another. If you'd like to just help yourself uh, feel great, it's great. And now the Lord takes care of everything. And uh, a lot of people, every Sunday morning, we have faithful people. That's their job, they feel. Uh, serving the Lord, they go and pick up bread from Panera and different places and bring it in. And our people can take the bagels home and be blessed. Would you stand with me? Let me give you the ancient blessing from Moses. And uh, as we do every morning, Sunday morning, he said, may the Lord bless you and may he protect you. May the Lord this week smile on you and be gracious to you. 
And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And everybody said amen.